Well, here we are again in our podcast, the Let's Learn Beer Let's podcast. Let's learn about beer. Learn about beer and about breweries and all the things that go with the beer. Exactly. And I think we should probably preface um, that we are both uh, two Americans, uh, although we are we live in Spain. We live in Madrid, Spain, and both of us have been here for quite a while. I've been here for quite a while. A bit over a decade now. Um, oh, almost at two. And you're almost at two. So when we start referencing things or uh, that happen here, or perhaps when we start <laughs> talking about American, we say, "Well, I'm not so sure about X, Y, or Z." That's why we're sometimes a bit out of the loop on the day to day, you know, controversies and 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 things of interest in the American mind. Um, yeah, they, they do have to make quite a noise in yes, certain circles exactly. for us to notice. Uh, but but we do we are very much up to date on, on beer worldwide and craft beer, sure. beer worldwide and the goings on there. So that's kind of our perspective. Yeah. Um, and my name is Joanne Ortiz. And welcome, Joanne. And I'm Kate Hustedy. I am the creator of the beer course. There you go. So. Back to Bud Light. Back to Bud Light. I mean, you mentioned before that um, Bud in general is not really the young people's beer. And it's true. It's been losing market for a long time. Everyone thinks of it, thinks of it as grandpa's beer, basically. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think that... Um, I, I don't know how much of, a, of, a, of this is just my craft beer perspective. Hmm. But I think the, uh, the craft beer phenomenon is very much a middle-aged and younger phenomenon. I think the older generation is not, uh, obviously, you know, some exceptions, <laughs> is not as big on craft beer. No, it was a little bit of a niche thing when it started. I mean, there are definitely older people involved who started all those breweries in the 60s and 70s, those clandestine home brewing operations. But, yeah, it was a very, very small group at the time. And now things are much more mainstream. Exactly. So, uh, Bud, Budweiser very much uh, angered its uh, audience of older, more traditional people, I assume. Yes, indeed. They, they felt insulted, ignored by their beer, their fratty beer. <laughs> so, uh, Kate, could you tell, tell us exactly what happened? Well, Budweiser sent a individualized can to TikTok influencer Dylan Mulvaney. This can had her face on it, and it was in celebration of her one-year anniversary of living as a woman. That's what she's the influencer of, this lifestyle change, if you want to put it that way. Sounds like a very conservative... Christian way of putting it, but sure. It, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but understood, yes. Yeah, yeah. But so they sent her this can, and she was very appreciative. She posted pictures of it. Um, now I don't remember if it was only pictures or if she did a little video on her TikTok. Oh, look what Budweiser sent me. Isn't that nice? And the fury was immediate. How dare they? How dare they recognize this person, who's not like me at all, said Kid Rock. One of the most famous um, 
protesters against this move. Wow. That's surprising, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he, he was out there shooting cases of Bud Light in his backyard. Poorly. Yes. Poorly. Yes. Poorly. Yeah. So, so shooting at the cases. Yeah, you know, what, what I find quite odd is that um, a lot of these beer companies, Budweiser included, have actually been advertising in uh, gay magazines for, for decades. I understand perhaps gay magazines yes. with the internet now in 2023 are perhaps not much of a thing. But even in the faraway yeah. days when I was in university of like 2010, 2011, they were very much a thing. Uh, I can promise oh, yeah. you that. And um, you flip through any of them and there's beer ads by mainstream beer companies. And oh, they, of course. They're very much... Uh, uh, gay ads, <laughs> if you will. Um, they they really wanted that market. Uh, that... Having a, a fun uh, party, romantic time with their beer. Yeah. Be it like Coors or Budweiser or whatever. The thing is, though, I think the other part of their audience, a more older conservative part perhaps, uh, didn't know this existed, didn't know, you know, that... that I think that's... Uh, a of course, point. a large multinational beer company would have different, you know, sub-audiences that they, you know, try and sell beer to. And, but now with the internet, people are aware that, oh, you know, they're doing yeah. this, uh, the outrage. You know, these people have been advertising to gay people since the 1980s. I don't find the fact oh, that they... Oh, 1950s. There you go. I mean, it was a little bit of a reaction to a boycott of another beer company that lasted for 50 years. I mean, we were kind of joking about this conservative boycott. Oh, they'll forget about it in a week. Apparently they've remembered a little bit longer. But for 50 years, the gay community of the United States boycotted Coors. And why did they boycott Coors? Well, the owners of Coors were donating to anti-gay um, organizations in the 50s. And this is a little bit like the Chick-fil-A thing. They weren't donating in the name of Coors, but where do they get their money? From the brewery. So it's basically the brewery's money going to those things. Another problem people had with Coors was the very invasive questions they asked when you wanted to go work for them. It was the 50s. The businesses had a little more leeway to probe into your private life. Um... For gay people, they were worried about being outed, because it's nobody's business what I do. Um, I, I think probably what Coors was more worried about was communists. Good American company, after all. But the whole point is the questions were invasive. They could put people in embarrassing situations. They could make them not get a job they wanted. Right. So, boycott. And, and Coors did try to um, smooth over the situation. They advertised in the gay magazines. They started sponsoring Denver Pride. And, and what year was that? I mean, about what? Well, it, I think it was the 70s okay. that they started wow. doing that. Or maybe it was the 80s. It's been a while sure, since 40, they started 50 that. Years. I mean, don't forget, the 70s was 50 years ago. It's Just crazy about, yes. that is. <laughs> but but um, so a long, a long time ago. Yeah. They've been trying to build back some uh, good feeling. Yeah. And some people forgave them. Other people wanted to continue the boycott. I mean, almost to the turn of the century. Wow. And, you know, 
Budweiser, well, Anheuser-Busch, and Miller, and Pabst all kind of tried to sneak in there and grab some And grab a little share. share of the market for themselves. Yeah. yeah. Good business. Right. You see a market, try to get it. Yeah, and, and again, I, I suppose this all just was kind of happening under the nose of conservative Americans who might object to it, um, right. but, but they had no way of really knowing if you didn't know the right people, if you didn't hang out in those circles, which of course they didn't, you wouldn't necessarily know this was a thing. Um, but now, because of TikTok and Instagram and just the internet in general, yeah. people are aware of this and people find out. And whether they want to or not, they they'll to or find not, out. Yeah, I suppose you could say, just like, not to get off topic, but it's a shame because now if you make a marketing mistake, it's like everybody, you know, every, everybody everyone knows about it. You know? That's true. Well, everyone's mistakes are forever on the internet. They're, they're enshrined in whatever platform people want to watch them on. So there was a response from the from the CEO of well of AB and uh, it was a very hands-off vague um corporate not, lawyer speak yeah no not not even an apology but it was we didn't intend to get into a divisive conversation that's what he said in his letter that is posted on their website. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, Pretty much. Yeah, and then reiterating, we want to be the beer for all Americans. We, we're uniters, not dividers. Um, good try, man. <laughs> well, I suppose in, in many ways, though, there's no pleasing uh, these angry angry people because really let's be honest what these people True. want is for them not to um, um, advertise with I guess the uh, LGBT oh, people of course they don't want so them to get any recognition if that's what they want then I don't particularly see how you know yeah there isn't a what, way what to make everyone happy what they want for the CEO to say oh uh, the you know the um, Degenerate uh, trans people or whatever. I mean, you know, that, that's what they want to hear. And, and you know, oh, sure. You know, fortunately, it's, it's I mean, they, happen, they did. So they I, did I let know. some people go. Um, right. They, they, and like I said, this was not a campaign that they were planning, to the best of my knowledge. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's not really a message of, oh, of course, you're poor. Um, mainstream white male feelings. It was like, oh, well, we didn't mean to upset you at least that much. <laughs> Could have upset you a little. I would make you want to drink more. Wow. Just over overestimated the, the amount of upset. I think the last cost. time I had a Budweiser was in Malaga, which is a city in oh, south oh. of Spain, for those probably listening to this who don't know. Um, it would have been about 10 years ago, actually, shortly after I came here. Um, it was on the 4th of July. So, oh, um, wow. Yeah, I was working at a kid's camp, and this kid's camp was also um, a camp, uh, the, the, the Chelsea football club, Chelsea soccer club, mm. put on. So there were English people there working at the camp, and they got drunk most nights. And um, 
And so they were like, oh, we got Bud Light for the Americans, or Budweiser, I don't remember what it was for the Americans, uh, 4th of July. I think that was the last time I had a Budweiser. Yeah. I've never liked it. I've never... Um, someone well, who was born in St. Louis, Missouri, I suppose that's... Uh, uh, Heresy, blasphemy, yeah. blasphemy. But uh, but no, I I, it's, I think it was the first beer I ever had. Um, uh, but you know, like tasting when I was like you know ten or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But 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 yeah. I never I never liked it. I and, and as a craft beer lover today, I don't I still don't really like it. I mean, obviously it's not craft beer, but there's industrialized beers that it's like yeah, right. it's fine, it's whatever. You know, it's it's you know not great, but I'll drink it. It's okay. But I've never been a fan of, of Budweiser in general. It has an odd taste to me. I don't like it. No, all those industrial beers are... They, they are what they are. Exactly, yeah. And um, their marketing is also what it is. As broad as as broad a net as possible. And um, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease, I guess. I guess so. Um, the gay boycott was a little bit too quiet. Because <laughs> now, because I didn't even hear about it until now. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm not part of the gay community, so I probably would have known if I had been. Yeah. So, that's the most exciting beer news. All right. For the last couple of months. And um, everyone just remember to drink what they love. Always drink what you love. And if you love Budweiser, well... Well, drink to, Budweiser. To, to each their own. To each their own, exactly. We're tolerant people. <laughs> I won't make fun of you to your face.